Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready and Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Hello, my name is Rebecca Chen and I'm a partner with Ready and Newman. I'll be conducting the conference today. Uh, if you have a question, there will be a link in the chat for you to fill out um, your question on a Google form and we'll be uh, calling on people in the order of that Google form. Um, Shruti, can you start the first question? Sure. Hussein? Uh, hello, hi there. I have posted my query uh, in the form. Okay. Um, Let's see. So the visa application that's pending with the consulate right now, did you go to an interview and then get a 221G? Oh, is he still here? Hello. Yes, I was unmuted. Uh, yes, okay. I am still under 221G administrative processing. And they gave me a form which is close to BS5535, which is about background yeah. And I've lost my job in April. It's been nine months since then. Ready Newman Sir said to withdraw my application before mm -hmm. it results in uh, a rejected case. So my questions are like, should I apply for a H1 again in next few months? How how long should I wait? I've seen cases where people have uh, gone for a new case and they resulted back in administrative processing again. So I need some insight. Yeah, it is possible. I mean, yeah, so you should withdraw the pending application if there's no longer a job to support that H-1B that the visa appointment was based on back in January. So that one should be withdrawn. As for going forward, you can try to have another company file or even the same company file another H-1B application for you and try to go for stamping again when you do have a job offer, but we can't guarantee that the outcome will be any different. Um, it's hard to know because we don't know the reason for the prolonged administrative processing. Um, my guess would be that it is some kind of security check situation since they asked you to fill out the more detailed 15-year history, um, which I, they usually don't for most 2201Gs. But if I withdraw the application, how would I know if the administrative processing is complete, at what time it is complete? You won't, if you withdraw it, then the case will be closed. They won't proceed with it any further. Um, if you decide to just wait, so the administrative processing, we don't know exactly what it's for. If it is something to do with you rather than with the company or the H-1B job, then, you know, then it's, it will just be processing for who knows how long. And then the same issue could come up on a new application. So if I if, withdraw... If I withdraw, the, uh, they will stop the administrative processing then? The background yeah. check and everything? 
Yeah, they'll close the case because the administrative processing is to do with that application. If you withdraw it, then they'll close it. How long but should they wait before new application? I don't know because we don't know the reason for the admin. I mean, technically you can have a new application filed at any time. There's nothing preventing you, but I can't give you a timeframe that would give you the best chance of success on a new application because we don't know the reason for the administrative processing. Um, if it is a security issue, then they will probably just resume the security check with the new application. Even if it's withdrawn? Yes, because if the issue is a security check with you, then that issue is still there, even if there's a new application. If the problem was with the company for some reason, you know, the company that had your H-1B from earlier this year, if the problem was with that company, then that might change with a new application. But if the reason for the longer processing is a security check for you personally, then that's still going to be there with a new application. Can we raise a case uh, with the lawyer uh, for this? If uh... No, definitely if it is a security issue, then getting a lawyer involved also won't do anything. Um, they will just say that it, it's in a security check and there's nothing that can really be done. Um, we'll need to go on to the next question. Sandraka? Hey, hi. Um, yes. Uh, so my question is, I'm currently working for a university on uh -huh. the H1, and I got my H1B without any lottery. Uh, uh -huh. And I and I also work for a startup on my secondary H1B. Uh, it's called concurrent. Uh, I think it's called as yeah uh -huh. concurrent H1B. Uh, I just uh, wanted to know: Is it possible if that startup to file? Yes. The, yeah, definitely. Uh, they can sponsor your I-140 for me. Yes, they can. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, so no university problem. has some logistical issues. So uh, the startup can file my I-140, right? They can. The main requirement for the I-140 position is the job offer must be full-time. Are you working full-time for the startup? No, 20%. Okay. Like um, one day per week. Okay, it's not required that you be currently full-time in order for the startup to sponsor your green card process, as long as they are willing to offer you a full-time position. You don't actually have to okay. work full-time in that position. Theoretically, you know, the job offer is a future position that you would occupy once you get the green card. So if the startup is willing to, you know, file the paperwork based on a full-time job offer that you would occupy, for example, when you get your green card and you no longer need to rely on the H-1B with the university, if you know, okay. you're willing to join the startup full-time at that point, um, then they can still go forward with I-140. Okay, so once so once the I-140 is approved, can I still work for the university plus startup with the existing yes. setup? No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, and my my university H one B can we will keep on extending uh, after yeah. my six mm -hmm. year H one B period. Okay, thank you. Yes, you can use that I one forty approval to extend the university H one B. Right. Excellent. Okay, thank you so much. That's all. Sure. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, I posted my question in Google mm -hmm. Forms. So I am currently uh, working for a company B. But my H-1B visa is stamped 
uh, with company A, uh, which is cognizant, uh, till uh, April 2024. I have a family emergency, and I wanted to know if I can travel based on that stamped visa uh, uh, yes. from cognizant, and if if yes, yeah, what document would I carry? Um, so as long as you are coming back while that visa stamp in the passport is still valid. So as long as you are coming back before April, 2024, then you can use that existing visa in your passport, plus the I-797 approval notice of company B. So make sure you present both of those at entry. Um, that's pretty much all you need. You can, if you want, have your most recent pay stubs from company B with you in case they ask for it. Um, or a recently dated employment verification letter from company B, um, but they don't always ask for that. Um, the main thing is the, you know, the visa in your passport plus the company B's I-797 approval notice. After you come in, I recommend that you check the I-94 online to make sure they gave you the July 2025 end date. Sometimes the officers make a mistake and they might put April 2024 on your I-94 instead of July 2025. Uh, if that happens, it can be corrected through US. Right? Yeah, it can. It's best if you notify them like pretty soon after the entry. The longer it is after the entry, the less willing they are to change it. So within a few days, um, contact them if it is incorrect. Oh, okay. Thank you. This is really helpful. Sure. Monica? Hey, hi. I posted my question on Google Sheet. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm on H-4 visa. I worked for a company for last couple of years and got laid off last month. Am I eligible yeah. to apply on insurance, unemployment benefits? Yes, you are. So unemployment benefits are governed by, you know, the state laws. So as long as you qualify for unemployment benefits under your state's employment laws, then you are eligible to receive those. It won't have any impact on the green card process later. It is not considered a public charge um, benefit. Thank you. I heard from a couple of my friends saying it's going to impact. So just wanted to double check. No, it won't. Thank you. Subbara? Hi, um, um, I posted my question there. So actually my H1 and H4, H4 EAD all uh, filed together in premium, but my H1 got approved, but my wife's H4 and EAD not approved yet. Actually, it's been two weeks my H1 got approved. When I reached out to my attorney saying, okay, please raise a request, service request to uh, USCIS. They said, uh, technically, it's uh, they're adjudicating differently, uh, not together. Uh, they're asking me to wait for 3.5 months. So, so who is asked, who said that and who is asking you to wait? Is it the attorney or attorney? Was, attorney. Yes. attorney. Okay. Um, let's see. And you, you have the receipt notices that show that all three were filed together? Yes. Okay. And the online case status for the H4 and EAD show that they're still processing. It's not a matter of, you know, they're approved and it's just a matter of the mail being delayed. Yeah, just received. Okay. Okay. Um, do you know if the attorney reached out to USCIS through the premium processing email? Uh, yeah, mine is mine. My, uh, yeah, mine. Uh, I have got, I've got my H1 notice, uh, which is processed in premium. Yeah. But 
in following, you said you asked your attorney to raise a request. Do you yes. know how they did that? Did they call you CIS? Did they email the premium processing unit? Did they no, just they, put they didn't say. I, I, I asked my attorney to file it. Uh, they didn't. Report. They just told you to but, wait. Yes, they, they asked me okay. to wait. I would ask the attorney okay. to email the premium processing unit. Okay, so uh, if if attorney says like, actually it's a big firm, uh, my company uh, I think they're associated with that. If they don't accept to raise the request, actually uh, if they don't accept to raise the request, so is there any other way for me? It'll be difficult because the premium processing unit email is usually the most responsive as far as all the USCIS customer service, but because the premium processing technically was attached to the H-1B, you wouldn't be able to email premium processing personally. It has to be someone from the company or the attorney to email premium processing about the H-4 and EAD still being pending. Um, if the company or the attorney are not doing that, are not emailing the premium processing unit, at most what you can do is your wife, because the H-4 is in her name, um, can try to put in an e-request Although most likely on the e-request website, it may not take the request because it, it requires you to put in the receipt date. And the way they have the system set up now is if the receipt date was too soon in the past, it won't even let yeah. you put in an e-request. The next option is to just call the 1-800 number um, and see if there is anything that can be done through that. Although it's, like I said, they're not very responsive to customer service requests. The premium processing unit is usually the best option, but it will require your company or the attorney to send that email. Okay. Okay, okay. thank you so much. Sure. Pages. Hi, Rebecca, I, I posted my question. Mm -hmm. Um. Let's see, okay, so yeah, it's not really necessary to have employer B file an I-45J supplement. I mean, you've already been working for employer B for a while. Is that right? Or two, since September? Two, two, yeah, two or three months. Yeah. Okay. yeah, USCIS has not been requiring that when you change jobs based on AC21, they haven't been really requiring that the new company file the J supplement proactively. The only thing that's needed from the new company is that they'd be willing to provide the J supplement if it's asked for by USCIS at the at an interview or the RFE. If your priority date is one where it's backlogged and it's likely going to be several years until the I-485 is finally approved, then um, most likely it's not really needed that employer B do anything right now. At most, I would maybe just get from employer B before you leave them um, a letter that kind of like an experience letter that confirms your start and end date, your title, and maybe a brief description of your duties so that if when your I-485 is being finally approved, um, you know, potentially years from now, if they ask for your employment history in order to confirm that you were always employed same or similar to the I-140 position, you can have that letter ready to show that the position you held with employer B was same or similar to the I-140. And and I have employer B offer letter as well. Will that work? Um, that is fine. You can keep that also. I would recommend to still have something that 
confirms your last date of employment with employer B. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, Rebecca. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yes, so I had uh, some uh, two questions, uh, which are there in the Google Sheet. Should I repeat them? Um, I'm taking a look at them now. So um, your B2 application was filed before the 60-day grace period ended? Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, and, and it's still pending now. And um, do you have like a new job offer now that wants to file the H-1B for you? Uh, not yet, but I'm waiting for an answer from two of the companies that I interviewed with. Okay, um, and yes. it's right now, how long has the B-2 application been pending? It's been uh, three days now. Oh, okay. So it's very recent. Um, yeah, it shouldn't be necessary for you to have to leave the country and go for stamping. If you get a new H-1B sponsor who's willing to file the application for you, the new company, make sure that new company or their attorney knows that you your status right now is basically that you have a B-2 application pending and you'll need to be able to provide them the I-539 receipt notice. But if you let them know that, then when they file the H-1B application for you with the new company, they can request a change of status from B-2 to H-1B. And um, USCIS has been processing those to where when they see that there was a B-2 kind of bridge application, even though the B-2 on its own would normally take, you know, six months to process, what they'll do is they'll mm -hmm. take the B-2 and the H-1B if it's being filed in premium and they'll approve both at the same time. So that basically at the same time, your oh. B-2 application will be approved and then they'll approve your mm -hmm. H-1B change of status to basically put you back in H-1B status. Okay, so, so I can start working it. right away, right? Once I have my yeah. H-1B approved. Yeah, so you can't start working based on the filing of the H-1B application. You will need to wait for it to be approved. So premium processing mm -hmm. is recommended. But um, yeah, once it's approved, you can start working. So there is no requirement of any kind of visa stamping in order to start working? No, as long as the H-1B application is approved as a change mm -hmm. of status and the approval notice has the I-94 card attached at the bottom, then then you don't need to leave the country or go for stamping in order to be authorized to start working again. If for some reason the H-1B approval comes in and it does not have the I-94 at the bottom, um, mm -hmm. then yes, you would need to leave the country and come back in in order to kind of activate the H-1B. In that situation, if you have a valid, oh no, you don't have an H-1B stamp, right? In your passport? I don't have it, no. Okay, yeah. In that situation, you would need to get the H-1B visa stamp from a consulate and then come back in to activate the H-1B. But like I said, if you if you let the new company and their attorney know that you have a pending B-2, provide them the document. And if they fill mm -hmm. out the H-1B application properly, you know, asking for a change of status, um, mm -hmm. then, then it should go through. We've done many applications like that um, this year and they've gone through without a problem. And every time this was not an issue, right? This I-94 part is missing 
you said no, you not so. This is a relatively new policy. This mm -hmm. policy has been in place since earlier this year, so it's been less than a year that USCIS um, said that they'll do the simultaneous approval of the B two and H one B. In years past, like before twenty twenty three, it was the case that in the situation you would need to leave, get the visa stamp, and come back in to get back into H one B status. Um, this is a pretty recent um, provision by USCIS. It was kind of in the in the wake of the layoffs in the tech industry. USCIS right. released guidance to try to basically saying that this exact thing that they'll do a change of status simultaneously in the situation in order to help people in a situation like this where you've been laid off and it's taken a bit longer than sixty days to have the new application filed. Correct. Okay. So that's not a risk for me, right? The, no. The once it's uh, filed properly. Yeah, I don't as long as, about. yeah, as long as the attorney is aware of it. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Change of status from B2 to H1. Mm -hmm. That's the process. Yeah. Okay. And uh, my second question was, uh, how many times can I reschedule a visa appointment? Uh, I am not sure on that. I believe the consulate system lets you reschedule it as long as the MRV fee that's paid is still valid, which I believe is one year from the date that it's paid. I don't, I'm not oh, aware of any okay. particular limit on the number of times you can reschedule within that time. But the limit is one year from the payment date? For the most part, yeah. They did recently change uh, the... U.S. consulates in India recently kind of migrated to a different visa scheduling platform. So there may be some recent changes with that. But um, from my awareness, it's one year from the time the MRV fee is paid. Anusha? Okay. I think um, Anusha's question is was already asked earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just want to ask, when is my out of status starting actually? Is it the day the B2 got denied or is it the like after the 60 day period gets over? Sorry, are you the one that had the H4 EAD that's still pending? Oh, I think you're muted. Uh, not, not me. Yeah, it's not me. It's no. My question is there on the Google sheet. Okay. Uh, is yours the H4 EAD question? No. Oh, okay. Oh, I okay. There's two people with the same name. Sorry, um, let me take a look at your question. Um, okay, so what what is your question? So uh, so uh, my 60-day period ended on uh, uh, July 30th, but then I transferred to a B2 visa, but the B2 got denied because I did not attend the biometrics, which was uh, the denial letter came on September 25th. So when does my out-of-status start? From July 30th or from September 25th? It's from the date of the denial notice. Okay. Well, um, so there's a couple of things. Technically, you're considered out of status from the time that your H-1B grace period ended. So yeah, that would be July 30th. Mm -hmm. um, unlawful presence starts to accrue from September 25th, because that's the date that the denial notice was issued. Um, unlawful presence is more serious than out of status. So out of status just means that you haven't been maintaining status since July 30th. But between July 30th and September 25th, technically you're considered in a period of authorized stay based on the pending B2 application. Um, 
now that the B2 application is denied, that authorized stay period is considered an out of status period. Um, but the more serious one is unlawful presence, which start started from September 25th, because that's when the government considers you were notified that the B2 was denied and that there's nothing basically right now keeping you in authorized stay. Um, so in your situation, uh, if you do get another job offer for an H-1B, um, you would need to depart the U.S. and get the H-1B visa stamp if you don't already have it and come back in. Um, I don't think another B-2 at this point will be successful because you're already in the that unlawful presence period. Uh, I get that part. So, like, I have a question. This unlawful presence that you're talking about. So, my company is still trying to get me. Uh, uh they are trying to do an H one petition based on the uh counselor, uh counselor H one petition. Okay. But it's not yet been approved by the Texas Center. So, my question is, how long can I stay in this country? Like, should I wait for the approval to come, or should I leave right away? It the earlier you leave, the better. Definitely. Um. Once you have accrued six months of unlawful presence, there is a three-year bar against re-entry. So you definitely do not want to be here past um, six months, past September 25th, which would be like March 25th. Okay. Definitely okay. want to leave before. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're authorized to be in the U.S. Yeah, until March I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So um, because you do have to go into the consulate, I would say the earlier you leave, the better because yeah. that, to the consular officer, it looks like you made a good faith attempt to, you know, not be in the U.S. out of status. Okay. Okay. okay sure. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Can you Hi, hear me? Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, this is for my wife. She's a physician currently doing research on J1. Uh, we plan to file uh, NIW or EB1. But later on, she would be taking her clinical training because she is a qualified uh, USMLE qualified uh, physician. Uh, so will there be an issue uh, changing from J1 research to J1 clinical since we are getting a I-140 approved? Is the I-140 in your name only? No, this is for my wife. It, it will be for her. Okay, the I-140 would be for her? Yeah, she she is uh, she is the applicant. She is on J one research, and she intends to do J one clinical uh, next year. So, will there be an issue uh, switching from J one research to J one clinical since it's a uh, change don't of category? Think so, um, but I don't have as much experience with like the switch from J one research to J one clinical. But my understanding is that it's just you know done through the the system. Form. Yeah, yeah here in the U.S., it doesn't require like leaving the U.S., going to the consulate again for anything. Yeah, it's not a consulate or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah, and one more thing, uh, this porting, porting of priority dates, uh, basically mm -hmm. we look to file under NIW and then port it to EB1 uh, next year. So is it okay. a good idea porting or just directly go for EB1? Uh, because the, the intention for NIW is just to get an earlier priority date. Does yeah. It... Yeah. If both you and her do not yet have an I-140 approval and it looks like you have a strong case for NIW, but maybe not quite as strong yet for EB-1, then 
yeah, that would be fine to go ahead and just get the NIW filed and approved this year um, in order to lock in a priority date. And then if your wife is, you know, working on adding certain things to her profile to build a stronger EB1 case that might take, you know, an additional year or so, um, she can be doing that you know, in the meantime, and then just file the EB1 case when it is strong and port the date then. Um, what you don't want is to like rush an EB1 case um, that may not be ready. And, you know, if it gets denied, then, you know, then you would have to go with the NIW anyway, and you would have lost time in, you know, locking in the priority date. It really depends on the strength of both of her case, the NIW and EB1, which I can't speak to without, you know, reviewing her profile. But yeah. uh, if she's had an assessment done and it looks like she has a strong NIW now, but it may take time to build up to EB1, then yeah, you could definitely go that route. NIW yeah, now and EB1 And I have one more question, uh, like being a physician from India, uh, it's impossible to get a um, no objection certificate for a waiver. So is it a good thing to go back to India for two years and then come on uh, H1B with uh, I-140 already pending? Is it a good thing? Because we don't want to uh, get into the hassles of immigrations. We're getting into J1, J1 clinical and then filing an I-140 and then not leaving the country because getting into the country will be a problem. I don't think you would have any issues with getting back into the country on H-1B by virtue of having an I-140 approved already because the I-1, the H-1B is one of the few visa statuses that allows you to have the green card process ongoing at the time. Um, and I don't think that there would be too much risk of them saying that there was a violation of J-1 status because of the filing of the I-140 because the main part of the filing the I-140 is if you, at the time that you filed it, intended to stay permanently in the U.S. at the time. I would say if you do end up going back to India for two years, and if that question comes up when you're trying to come back on H-1B, you can always say that the I-140 was being filed, but you didn't have any intention of adjusting your status to a green card holder at that time Okay. while you were in the U.S., that your intention was to leave you know, return to India for the two-year residency. So I think you can always make that argument. So I don't think coming back on H-1 would be a problem just because the I-140 was filed. Yeah, uh, and one more thing, does the intention of having an earlier priority date goes against our application? No, not at all. Yeah, not, at not all. for the H-1B coming back, yeah. Okay, and just one last question. Uh, Traveling, let us say we, we go for I-140, she goes for a, a J-1 clinical, which will last for four years. But maybe in this four years, due to some medical emergencies, we, we have to travel to India. Will getting back into U.S. be a problem? Potentially, yeah. That is where it could come up, is anytime you're outside the U.S. trying to come back in with J-1, the I-140 being on the record could be an issue. And it's, what are the options? And what are the Mainly options? just trying to make the same, trying to make the same argument. I would definitely on her I-140 form indicate consular processing rather than adjustment of status. Okay. And just try to make the argument that there's no intention to apply for a green card on 
upon this entry into the U.S. that even though there's the I-140 there, that the two of you plan to apply, return to India after her clinical and do the two years there, and then at some point in the future, apply for the green card through the consulate. So you can try to make that argument. Um, we've had some people successful with that. So uh, after switching from J1 research, uh, your idea is go for a consulate, uh, this thing, uh, interview? On the I-140 form, indicate consular processing rather than adjustment of status, because that will strengthen your argument if you do have to leave the country and come back in. Okay. Uh, okay. Sorry. We'll have to go to the next question. No I'll problem. try Thank to um, address. Yeah, I'll try to address the last two questions that we have here. Um, let's see, Ahmed, um, you had a supplement J question. Is he still here? Yeah, yeah. Hi, sorry, I'm here. Hi, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, hi. I pushed my question in the Google Forms. So okay. uh, what happened is, um, yeah, my I got H one stamped. I I got H one approved last year. I got it stamped as well. But uh, this year, I got a full-time, so I did H1 transfer. But unfortunately, uh, I got laid off now. I spoke to my employer. He said he hasn't revoked my H1 yet. So when I asked him, he's saying, I can just go back to him just by uh, doing some paperwork without any H1 transfer. Uh, he just has yeah. to, can I do that? Okay. The that is correct, as long as you are going back to the same employment terms that were listed in that approved application. So same yes. title, okay. duties, salary, work location. Okay. And uh, suppose if, it, if if I have a location change, I just have a location change, my stay, my stay of location got changed. Do I have to do amendment for that? Yeah, in that case, the employer would need to file an amendment for the work location yeah. change if it is outside of the metropolitan area of the original application. Oh, it's not outside. Okay. One last question. So if if I have to do uh, amendment, the thing is I have travel plans to go to India. Would there be any issue while coming back? There shouldn't, but the amendment should be approved before you... Do you need to do visa stamping in India? No, I have already stamped with the old employer. Okay, amendment. then in that case, yeah, that's fine. You can travel while the amendment is pending. You just won't be able to work until you come back in, you know, at the new location. Okay, yeah. And uh, I also had a concurrent H-1B, actually. But even, unfortunately, even that got laid off um, this month. I mean, I have end uh, last date and last date as next uh, week. So they will be withdrawing. Would there be any impact? on my current h1 there it shouldn't be as long yeah as long as your first so the concurrent you said is not approved yet not approved yet it is okay. still so in they'll withdraw okay yeah yeah as long as the first your very first h1b from last year as long as that petition is not revoked and you'll be going back to the same metropolitan area you can just rejoin that employer the main thing is um you probably cannot work concurrently for the concurrent employer plus your old employer. So yeah, when I you go back to your yeah. old employer, work only for them. Sure, sure. Yeah, thank you. I thought sure. I had a... Hi there. Can Hi you there. guys Hi. hear me? Yes, I can, but there's an echo if you can turn off the... Okay. okay. Hi, sorry. I basically... Sorry, I was on double calls. Uh, not sure if my home internet was working fine or not. Thanks, Rebecca, for your time and arranging this. Uh, yesterday, I got laid off 
and uh, I am on H1B. I have 24 to 25 months left on my H1B without a previous I-140 approved. Uh, I don't know what my last date of the 60 days grace period is because the company says that they are going to provide pay stubs on regular cadence till 5th of January. Uh, but I don't know if uh, that is going to be my last day or not uh, because they kind of said in a document that 7th of Jan would be the last day of H1B. Uh, and if you don't have a change of status or something, please let us know by February 20th for your flight arrangements. Uh, the, another situation is my wife is on her own independent H1B. And my question is if I have to uh, change my job and uh, I want to provide enough time for my new employer to go through the process of I-140, which is probably 20 months around or maybe more. I have only 25 months left. Shall I go for my H4 change of status or maybe B1, B2? I have my B1, B2 valid for another year. Shall I go for change of status uh, now or shall I wait till my grace periods end? And uh, second question, let's say given the market situations that even if the 60 day grace period uh, is not like we, I'm not able to meet that timelines and I'm still unemployed. Uh, let's say we apply for that change of status and then I find after some time a new employer who's willing to do both change of status and change of employer. Uh, does it mean that the time I spent with a petition of H4 is probably still pending? Uh, will that be accounted on my H1B? Uh, so that basically I want to ensure that my new employer has enough time to work on my I-140. Whoever Do you have a new employer yet? I don't. I was just laid off yesterday. So I'm looking out for employers right now. Yeah, in that case, it may be better to, even though for H-1B status purposes, it's not necessary for you to file the B-2 right away. Um, if your goal is to limit the use of H-1B time right now, then that might be a good idea to change your status and your wife's to B-2 right now or apply for that change of status. And then... I didn't switch back to H-1B when you have a new employer that is willing to file the green card, let them know about the timeline and have them try to process it as soon as possible. Sorry, let me rephrase. I don't think I correctly understood. So my wife has her independent H-1B. She doesn't has like, she does is not associated with Okay, me. then she doesn't need to switch to B-2. Correct. It would and, just be uh, she doesn't have, yeah, and she doesn't have an I-140 approved or even processed from her employer. We are different employers. Uh, so the best option would be for me to do a change of status to H4 or B1, B2. H4, actually. Yeah, if your wife is not on H4 right now, if she has her own H1B, then H4 would be better than B2. So you can file okay. that change of status like right now. Right now. And let's say, so now it is November. Let's say I file this. Uh, I get a job by March. So between November and March with that time period, and I'm assuming that H4 petition that we file might not be approved by the time I find a job. Does it mean that the time period between now and the new employer who's willing to do this uh, petition? You can consider it as H4 time. It's not necessarily H1B time. Although if you are going to be, any time that you are paid would be considered H1B time. So, okay. um, yeah, you may need to talk to your employer. If they're paying you because of severance, then yes. 
it may be a matter of foregoing that if you really want to preserve as much H1B time as possible. Um, I'm sorry, we will need to close the conference here today um, because we have uh, other appointments to get to. Um, if we weren't able to get to your question, um, you can book a consultation with one of our attorneys to go uh, in more detail for your individual situation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.